You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, Podcast Land listeners. You are here for edition number 36 of This and That with David and Brenda. You are listening to Brenda, otherwise known as Miss Brenbren, and... This is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. It is November 23rd, 2019, and time for us to bring you another edition of our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. And Brenda, I want to wish you, as well as all of our listeners out there in podcast land, a happy Fibonacci Day. And what is Fibonacci Day? 1123, 1123, like in the Fibonacci series. 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34. Okay. We've long established that you are not the math person. You're right. I am not the math person. <laughs> but the Fibonacci, so. just like you have, you know, um, May the 4th be, May the 4th, and, you know, May the 4th be with you, and Pi Day, which is, you know, right. March 14th, you have I Fibonacci Day, 1123. All right. For all you math geniuses <laughs> that are out there, happy Fibonacci Day to you. And to all of our listeners who care that today is (laughs) Fibonacci Day. You would not have... The modern world works off of the Fibonacci sequence in a lot of ways. Well, you know what I thought you were... I'll talk about that during maybe one of the tech editions. You know what I thought you were going to say Fibonacci was about? What, some opera or something? No, telling fibs. Fibonacci Day. No. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a good guess, but no. Well, you know what I'm not guessing at? What's that? This is edition 36 of our eclectic podcast. That our is free correct. weekly eclectic podcast. You are absolutely correct at that. And so for that, I am very thankful that our listeners keep coming back week after week to hear what we have to talk about. And this is, and if this is your first time listening to us, thank you for joining us today. For our loyal listeners, thanks once again for listening, subscribing, liking, commenting, and so on. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We uh, hope you like what you hear and come back for more. Now, when you come back for more, you're always going to be joining us in Podcast Land Studio via our free and eclectic podcast on whatever day that you decide to listen to us because we are on demand. You can listen to us whenever it makes sense for you. You can listen to us while you're commuting, while you're in the gym, working out, taking a shower, whatever works. And of course, if life interrupts, just hit that pause and then pick it up again. Now, you know, David, we always have to give shout-outs to our listeners. And episode 36 of our free weekly eclectic podcast is no different. So let's do shout-outs. Starting here in the U.S., 
Shout out to those listening in from Atlanta, Georgia. Houston, Texas. Olive Branch, Mississippi. And Mountain View, California. And for our international listeners, shout out to those listening in from Calgary, Canada. Uh, Let's go with Edmonton, Canada. Ottawa, Canada. And let's just finish it out in Burnaby, Canada. Since we're giving shout-outs, of course, we can't forget shout-out and thank you to the men, women, and, of course, those canines that are in the military branches, whether they're located here in the U.S. or abroad. As well as we'd like to uh, give a shout-out and thank you to the military dependents. You serve as well, and also to all the civilian support group staff contractors that make the five branches of the military hum. We want to give a shout out to first responders here in the U.S., police, fire, 911, and so forth. We do not want to forget those folks, especially since we're coming up on the uh, holiday season. And once again, numbers-wise, statistically, we know that they're going to be busy and have to take some time away from their family and loved ones to take care of those in need. Thank you to all of those that are in the military. Thank you to all that are listening to us. We greatly appreciate everything that you are doing. And remember to share our podcast with others so that they are getting a chance to hear what we have to talk about. Speaking of sharing, our podcast is available, as I like to say, wherever you listen to podcasts. That includes such locations and streaming apps and services as our home-based SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, Stitcher, also known as Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, and on and on and on. We're also available on all Alexa-powered voice-assisted devices. Now, if folks wanted to send us an email, where can they reach us? They can reach us through the email address of thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, all together. This, the letter N is in Nancy, that, all nine characters, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And by the way, since I was asked this a while back, if you're searching for us through, say, we'll just say Apple Podcasts, or it could be Stitcher or somewhere else, you want to search on this ampersand that all together. This ampersand that all nine characters together, and you will find us and see the the awesome logo, this and that with David and Brenda. So again, podcast, this ampersand that, email is this, the letter M that, all nine characters together. So I hope that clarifies it for some folks who are having problems searching for us. And I am sure that it does. So thank you for um, letting our listeners know about that distinction. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Episode 36 is a sports edition. So we are going to focus on all things sports today. First, we've got an interview with Kevin Aldridge. He is one of the co-owners of the Ohio Kings basketball team. 
located here in Cincinnati in Southwest Ohio. So we'll be chatting to him about that and the return of professional basketball to the area. And we also have a segment that we like to call Here's What I Think, and it's Here's What I Think NFL Edition, where Brenda and myself, along with um, usually just one guest, but sometimes more than that, will chat about a specific topic, set that up, and then give you our opinion. Hence, here's what I think. And we'll be doing it this week with a, a young man out of um, the ATL, Christopher Hill. We'll get into that, obviously, more in the show. Well, uh, being that this is a sports edition, I know we're going to have a lot to say and to talk about. So, are you ready? I am ready. Then let's get on with it. Episode 36 of This and That, our sports edition. Referees, are you ready? You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Podcast land listeners, those of you who are somewhat, I would say, casual to fanatical Sports fans probably have heard that Cincinnati, as of late, has three professional sports teams. Now, when I talk to folks about this, Brenda, usually they index to, oh, well, you've got a baseball team, the Reds, you've got, you know, the Bengals, our condolences, and I didn't know you had an NBA team, to which I have to say, well, no, the third team is uh, MLS, a Major League Soccer team, well, FC Cincinnati. Don't forget about hockey. Um, Cyclones. Well, three, you know, big team major. Okay. Yes, we have hockey too. But talking about the three three major sports, it comes up to, to that, and people just index to the NBA. Now, in the past, there was an NBA team here. Uh, the Cincinnati Royals, and then, of course, they moved to Kansas City, and now they're out in Sacramento, the Sacramento Kings. Happy to report that basketball, professional, semi-pro, is back here in Ohio and in Cincinnati in the form of the Ohio Kings. Yay! And Happy to hear it. We've got the owner. Oh, one of the owners. One of the owners, that's true, thank you, on the line with us, Kevin Aldridge. Kevin, Welcome. Thank you, thank you. How are you all doing this evening? Oh, we're, we're great. Doing great. Thanks again, like David said, for joining us. And we're really excited to hear about the Ohio Kings. Yeah, we're, uh, we're excited to be talking about it. We're excited to be in Cincinnati. We're excited to be bringing uh, professional basketball, exciting brand of professional basketball back to Cincinnati. And we're, we're interested in, in building this thing and seeing where, uh, seeing where we can go uh, with it. Right now we're, we're uh, semi-pro, ABA uh, league team, but who knows? You know, who knows where this thing can go, if the city can get behind us and, and support us, and if we can put a winning team on the court, you know, sky's the limit. Now, um, for those podcast land listeners that may not be familiar with ABA, what is that exactly? So the ABA stands for the American Basketball Association. And anybody who's a fan of professional basketball knows that at one time there were two professional basketball leagues. There was the ABA and there was the NBA. And uh, most people will be familiar with the 
uh, with the ABA because that's the league that Dr. J first played in when he uh, when he uh, became a professional. And and the ABA signature was its, its red, white, and blue basketball. Well, uh, back in the uh, '70s, the ABA and the NBA merged together and became just the NBA, and the ABA sort of went away. Uh, all of that that league history and everything like that got merged into the NBA or, or went away. And so in 1999, there was a, an advertising executive um, out of Indianapolis by the name of Joe Newman who decided that he wanted to bring back the ABA and reconstitute it as a minor league professional basketball league. So in 99, um, he purchased the rights to the name, the ABA, and brought back the red, white, and blue basketball and began to build uh, a, a new minor league organization. And so over the past 20 years, he's, uh, he's evolved it, and the ABA is now one of the largest professional basketball uh, leagues in North America. There are 150 teams um, in the ABA all across the country. Um, there are 22 teams in the division uh, that we play in, which is the North Central Division, and that encompasses teams that play in the states of Illinois, Indiana, uh, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, and Kentucky, and uh, even Wisconsin. I forgot to, to mention Wisconsin. So, um, so we compete against teams, you know, from all of those states. Most teams play regionally, um, and then those who qualify for the playoffs compete in an NCAA-style national tournament for the ABA title. And so um, it's, really, it's really a great league. Um, uh, some of the rules are slightly different uh, than, uh, than the NBA. So, for example, um, in the ABA, during certain points of the game, um, three-point shots count as four points. So uh, think, of, think of hockey where they sort of have those, those power play right. periods uh, where teams play. There's almost kind of like a, a power play period during every ABA game where three-point shots become four-point shots. And so they're just small little rule differences like that. I think in the NBA you've got eight seconds to get it across half court. I think it's seven in the ABA. So just some, a few small rule differences that we'll make sure fans and everybody like that are, are up to speed on. But um, the ABA has been uh, just very cutting edge, um, you know, throughout its, throughout its existence. In fact, Joe would tell you that, that some of the newer things that they've incorporated into the NBA in, in recent years – uh, they stole from him in the ABA, uh, but you know you hear that all the time across sports, uh, where where leagues will say one league uh, took something from the other. But but Joe's a very innovative, creative guy, and um, and and he's he's turned the ABA into into a great league. Well, that's great. Now, um, at the outset, uh, Brenda corrected me that you're one of the um, owners. Who are the other owners of the, the team? And what are the exact roles and, and makeup there? Yeah, so I had there are two there are two other owners who are part of the Ohio Kings. Um, incidentally, one of the other owners is my cousin, who coincidentally also happens to be named Kevin Aldrich. Uh, that's a long story, uh, probably too long to get into in the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but we we have different middle initials, so that's that's how we differentiate uh, each other, one from the other, uh, because we actually have a lot of a lot of things in common in both our professional and personal lives. So. Um, it, on paper, it could be very hard to distinguish between the two of us. 
Um, but he's the he's he is in the role as our team president. And then um, the other owner that we have is a gentleman by the name of Kelvin Moss, and he is our general manager. So he oversees um, all of our basketball operations, our coaches, our players, um, the hiring and recruiting of those individuals who help us put a great quality product on the floor. Kevin, in his role of, of team president, um, often will represent us in, at lead meetings and in some of the higher-level lead conversations. He deals predominantly with the, uh, the other owners in the ABA, scheduling our games and just handling whatever we need, the business we need to handle with the league. My role is, is primarily one of communication, since that's uh, uh, been my career background. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I'm also the opinion editor at the Cincinnati Enquirer, so that's my, that's my day job um, right now. And so I've been in media for uh, 20, 20, almost 25 years now. So um, I've taken those skills and expertise and, and sort of put it to use for us on the Ohio Kings um, to help us craft our, our marketing message and and, uh, and communication. So so each one of those each one of us sort of fills a um, a particular role or strength that we have. Okay, so you guys are really uh, pretty busy between your day job and then this is your um your I guess we would say your nighttime job. Yeah, it um, you know it, it really is a job because what I you know what I what I tell people is is that um, to be truthful, if I mean this could be something that we spend eight hours a day in trying to build this uh, build this team and, and get it launched and put it together, and so it really has been a juggling act, I think, for all of us to um, uh, do what we need to do and be you know true to the responsibilities for the for the folks who sign our paychecks. Uh, but then also uh, commit the time that's necessary to to build um, what we want to be a first class organization and something that that we in the city of Cincinnati can be proud of. And so it, it definitely doesn't leave a, a lot of time for sleep. No, I'm sure it doesn't. So now that you're talking about um, uh, this being a, a full time job that you're doing in the evenings, tell us about the team. Who are the Ohio? Kings basketball team. Yes, what kind of players are you? Re- oh, sorry, what kind of players are you recruiting? That type of thing. Yeah. So, um, well, first off, first off, we want we wanted all of our players. We wanted everything about our organization to be first class, and so we wanted to have not only the best players athletically, but we wanted to have players who are also like high quality uh, individuals. And so as we went through the process of uh, having tryouts and recruiting players, we held tryouts all across uh, um, most of the state of Ohio. We had tryouts in Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati. Um, We even had uh, tryouts um, um, near Indianapolis um, as well. And so we pulled players pretty much from all of those uh, those different areas, Uh, so not just from the city of Cincinnati. Um, and so that was very important to us, and we're proud of the guys that we've got on the team. Um, just about to a man, all of our players are uh, have their college degrees. They're working um, professionals, and so they, much like us, have you know nine to five jobs that they go through during the week. But they're trying to keep their dream of playing professionally um, overseas, or maybe in the G League or the NBA, um, alive. 
And so this, this is a platform that offers them, uh, offers them that. So we, we definitely wanted to have the right kind of guys. Um, I can tell you from just watching these guys practice and seeing, um, these guys are ultra competitive. They hate to lose. And so one, th- one of the things that I can guarantee anybody who's going to come out and see one of our games is they're going to see a team that's out there hungry and who's trying to win um, every day, um, every game. I mean, these guys go at it hard in practice against each other, and they are really, uh, they're really uh, champing at the bit to get out and, and uh, play somebody other than, uh, other than themselves <laughs> in practice. So, so we've, got, uh, we've got a scrimmage and an exhibition game coming up here in the next, uh, in the next week. And so they're excited about that. So they will we'll, we'll actually get a get a chance to see uh, what those guys look like uh, up against some competition, and uh, and so we'll know exactly what we're looking looking at coming into our December seventh home opener. Yeah, and and you're, right, your your home opener is December seventh. And where are you all um, playing games? Where's where's your home arena? Yeah, our home arena is going to be at Cincinnati State um, Community and Technical College. Um, we're excited to be at Cincinnati State. We uh, began the process of, of launching this team and figuring out um, what we were going to do. We knew that we had to have a first-class venue to, um, to play our games at. And we didn't want to go to anywhere like um, U.S. Bank Arena because, you know, we did a little research um, on previous basketball efforts that were started um, here in the city of Cincinnati, and and one of the one of the things that we heard back that particularly in the startup was is that um, you know they, they, many of them started in venues that were perhaps too large when you're trying to build a build a fan base and excitement around a team, and so even if they were to attract you know three four five thousand people to U.S. Bank Arena, it, it seats you know somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen thousand, maybe more than that. Uh, people in that arena. So if you've got you know three or four thousand in an arena that size, it still looks empty. And so if it looks empty, then that says to people that it's not successful. Right. And so one of the one of the things that we said is is okay. Look, let, we're we're going to start at a smaller venue. Let's start at a place like uh, Cincinnati State that's got a great high quality facility. But uh, but we're going to start here because. We think this is a, a, a good-sized seating venue. Let's fill it up. Let's make it an event. Make it a place to be. Um, have it, you know, look, you know, and feel like a very intimate um, gathering where almost kind of like a, a bit of a family atmosphere there. The ABA, in the, in the past, and I, 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 it sounds like from you it still has this, has a reputation for being, you know, very fan friendly, family friendly, and the like. I mean, that they were the league that started the whole um, uh, All Star game, kind of as a salute to their fans, and that's something the NBA stole, if I recall correctly. So, um, yeah, ab- go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. That is that is a benchmark of what the ABA has always been, and that is that's been the message that we've tried to communicate about what the Ohio Kings is: is that we want to put together an affordable, family-friendly, but competitive and entertaining uh, basketball experience. And everything that you'll see about um, what we do with the Ohio Kings, you'll see will be uh, very focused on family. Well, well, you've got us sold. So, you know, 
where could we buy tickets, how much do they cost, and, and what are we going to see besides the game? Are, are, are there other things there that fit into that, that same vein of fan and family friendly? Well, great. Well, I, well, I'm glad you asked that question. So tickets, we, we said we wanted to make those affordable. We didn't want to uh, price anybody out. So what was the ticket price that we figured that we could have where we could make enough money to support the expenses uh, that we needed to um, pay the players to cover the cost of putting on the games and, and media and advertising, still make us a little profit, but but not break people's pocketbooks. And so uh, after we crushed the numbers, we, we, we found that we could affordably do a general admission game ticket of $10. Just $10? And so that's just $10. Just $10. That's where we started. Uh, $10 to get into a game is, is less than a movie. If you go to see, uh, if you go to see a movie on a given day, uh, you'll spend more than that going to the movies. And Most so, definitely. Um, and for kids uh, 5 to 12, it's just $5. And if you're younger than 5, come on in and, and, be for, and be, you'll get in for free. And so um, we also have a $20, what we call our $20 VIP ticket. And one of the great things about being in partnership with Cincinnati State is we're working with their culinary department. You know, Cincinnati oh, yeah. State is famous for its culinary department. And so one of the things that we agreed with was is how can we, how can we highlight and showcase uh, everything that Cincinnati State has to offer in the context of an Ohio Kings basketball game. And so we worked with Cincinnati State. We said, hey, what if we, what if we were able to put a spotlight on your culinary students by incorporating their, uh, their creations into our VIP package? So we said that anybody that buys a $20 VIP ticket not only gets premium courtside seats at our game, but they also get free concessions that are made for them by Cincinnati State's culinary department that's a higher grade of concession than what we'll be selling at our concession stand. So we'll have the standard fare, your popcorn, peanuts, pretzels, candy bars, sodas at our concession stand. But Cincinnati State's culinary students are going to be preparing special concessions for our VIP fans. And I, so have, to, buy- I have to tell you, I have been fortunate to eat food from uh, the Midwest Culinary School, and they are awesome. So I I think oh, whatever yeah. whatever you have they're going to be offering is going to be a real good treat. Yes, I agree. I agree. I and we're looking forward to uh to what they're to what the fair is that they're going to be offering and and I think the fans are going to uh to are going to enjoy that uh immensely and we're we're looking forward to that. So, um you know, we also have as part of the game um four to six professional barbers that are going to be at the game, every one of our home games, and they're going to be cutting hair um, of young people um, before the game. So they're going to start cutting hair probably about uh, 90 minutes before um, our games tip off, and they'll cut through the first quarter of every game. So that will give um, youth in our community an opportunity, boys and girls, you know, girls uh, want to come in and, and get a haircut as well. They can do that. And, um, the haircut is free. So the way that we, we sort of looked at it is, is if you're a parent, you know, I get my haircut, you know, probably every week. And I think I spend, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to $25 to, to get a haircut. Um, and 
the way we sort of looked at it is, is if you're a parent and you're bringing your kid to the game, that's $15 for your ticket and your kid. That's still not, you know, uh, the equivalent of what you would pay just to send them uh, to the barbershop to get a haircut. Right, that's and true. And so, you know, so we sort of looked at it as how can we make this attractive to families and it really makes sense to them from a, uh, from a financial standpoint. You know, $15 for a good basketball game and a free haircut, that, that's what, that sounded like a pretty good deal. Yeah, you can't uh, beat that. Something that would, you know, something that would be attractive. And then the, the free concessions with the VIP ticket. And so we really tried to create an affordable, fan-friendly fan environment. Um, in addition to our barbers, we also have a, a young uh, lady who owns her own um, youth arts and crafts studio. And, she's, and so she's going to be bringing her talent, skills, and supplies to the Ohio Kings game. And uh, she's going to have a, an area in our kids' zone where she's going to be offering kids an opportunity to come in and do some artwork around basketball and the Ohio Kings. And they'll actually get a piece of art to take home with them, whether that's oh, a painting, nice. a drawing, um, string art, woodwork. Uh, she does it all, and she'll have it there. And so the kids will be able to come. Uh, participate in that and get a piece of artwork that they can take home with them and, and hang on their wall or, or whatever they want to do with it. All right. So, so just think that's a, for yeah. those of us who are 80 years old, can <laughs> can we get on, get in on this? Can you get in on the artwork? Too? I mean, you know what? I'm sure that uh, kids of all ages <laughs> will probably be allowed to participate uh, in the artwork if we want it. Look, we, we want to make this something that is enjoyable uh, for everybody. So I'm sure if there are some parents who want to go in there and get messy with their children um, and do some artwork and that sort of thing, uh, I don't think that there there will be anybody that will get turned away. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. Now, um, does, does the team have a mascot? You know, we don't have a mascot. You know, that was one of the things that we were talking about as we were, as we were building the team. And uh, we even sat down and just, like, sort of brainstormed, you know, what might be some ideas for the, the name of the mascot if we came up with one. So this season we will not have an official mascot per se, but I think that that's something that, uh, that fans can expect, you know, we'll have in, in future seasons. Uh, however, uh, there is a young man who is, who is very acrobatic, who's, uh, uh, you know, a tremendous athlete and performer um, who is going to be performing some of those duties. Now, he won't be walking around in, a, in, a, uh, in any kind of mascot suit or anything, but we've been kind of talking about some of the different ways that we can kind of, um, you know, uh, adorn him in, in, uh, in something that will give that kind of feel and he can kind of be sort of our official uh, Official, unofficial mascot for this first season. I think people will be entertained by his talent. Okay. okay. Now, I'm curious. How did you choose the name the Ohio Kings? I'm glad you asked one question and that nobody asks when we talk about the team that I'm always glad to talk about because, <laughs> because people rarely ask, how did we come up with the name of the team? So I'm glad you asked that. Give me the opportunity to answer that question. So, um... First, the Kings, we know, as you guys mentioned in your intro, that Cincinnati once had a professional basketball team in Cincinnati called the Royals. And so we absolutely wanted to pay homage to that history 
Um, but we didn't want to. We didn't want to steal the name, right? We didn't want to. We mm-hmm. didn't want because we feel like that has a that has a special place in Cincinnati history, and we and we wanted that to remain. So we didn't want to. We didn't want to to, to borrow that or take that name or, or try to use it in, in the using the the name Royal. So what we did was we said, well, okay, the Cincinnati Royals actually, you know, became the Kings. You know, when they moved to Kansas City and now they're in Sacramento, right. they switched from the Royals to the Kings. And right. so we said, let's, let's go with that. But then it also had another meeting in that um, myself and my cousin Kevin were both pastors. And so, um, you know, we also believe in this idea of kingdom. Um, in fact, if you... Um, Looked in the background, my cousin and I, we, we run a nonprofit organization called Kingdom Vision um, Outreach. And what that does is some character development and mentoring for young people. Um, we believe very, very strongly in, in developing that, uh, that, that character. And uh, so, you know, this idea of kingdom building and, and being kingdom minded and, and, of course, uh, you know, being kings in a spiritual sense, so it had it had a spiritual connotation to us, uh, for us as well as the, as the uh, the connotation of paying homage to Cincinnati's basketball history. Uh, we went with Ohio instead of Cincinnati. That's another question. That is one question people do ask us: is why did you why did you not go with the name Cincinnati? Why did you go with Ohio? And part of the reason why we chose Ohio is because our our market, our target market for our fan base includes. Uh, the Dayton area and the areas in between um, Cincinnati. And so we wanted to kind of leave it open um, so that folks from those areas who wanted to be a part of our fan experience and be a part of our team, you know, feel like they have some ownership in it in the team as well. So that's a little bit of the history about how we came up with the name. Okay, and that that makes sense. And and, um, all all of you folks in the ownership group of originally from from Middletown, which was like the basketball capital of Ohio uh, back in the day. So I'm sure that absolutely that played into it home of home of Jerry Lucas, right who played for the Cincinnati yes. Kings as well. Um, Hall of Famer along with Oscar Robertson. So, so are you gonna have the big O at a game? Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> you beat me to So that. believe me, we have we have tried. We have been trying to get in contact with the big O. And I've talked to some people who are who are close to him, and I understand he's been he's been going through uh, you know some personal family related issues right now. So he's been kind of kind of inaccessible to us right now, and so we would love to have the big O um, you know on board, and and uh, certainly uh, him endorsing the team and, and getting behind it, and of, and of course we would make some tickets available to the big O to you know to come out to the game. Um, and uh, and check us out. All he has to all he has to do is show up, and he knows he's good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we we certainly would love to have him and that past basketball history affiliated with our team. And there's some other uh, individuals that we wanted. You know, there's a gentleman by the name of Tom Thacker who um, was a was a professional who played in the ABA and the NBA, and is is from the Northern Kentucky area, and so. Um, you know, we want to reach out to all of those guys who, who have local ties and who have, um, you know, either played in the, in the ABA or have some connection to the old uh, Cincinnati Royals. You know, we want to honor those guys. We want to recognize them at the game. And, uh, and we definitely want them to be a part of our, a part of our history as well. Wonderful. 
Now, now I, I, I have to ask the question here. It's burning in my mind. Um, and so you just have to bear with me here, just the way I get to this tangentially somewhat. In, in, if, if we look at comic book lore, and specifically in the DC Universe, Superman has all these L's around him. So Lana Lang, Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, Linda Lee, on and on. What's up with the K's, Kevin? Kevin, Kevin, you know, Kelvin, Kings. What's up with the K's? So you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too spiritual here on this, but uh, you know, I, I'm one who believes in, you know, sort of divine connection and that, you know, that things happen for a reason. And my cousin Kevin and I, you know, always joke with one another about, you know, how we've come together and have been a very big part of a lot of business ventures um, between the two of us. And, and we've really kind of leveraged sort of the Kevin and Kevin brand. You know, that, that's sort of become a thing, especially uh, in the mentoring work that we do. A lot of the young people, uh, when they see us, they know us as Kevin and Kevin. And so um, that in and of itself has, has kind of become a brand. And then when you, you know, when you add Kelvin into the mix, um, and, and I can tell you, we got a couple of more K's who are involved in, in the organ, organization. Um, the, 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 the gentleman who's spearheading the, uh, the barber aspect of it, his name is also Kevin. So, I mean, it just gets crazy at a certain point. Uh, you know, uh, it, it really does, but we, we have, uh, we have a good time with it. We, uh, we make fun of it. And, and with the three of us all having, uh, K's in our name, we're like, well, we, we definitely can't, you know, three brothers definitely can't come out with the acronym KKK. That would not be advisable. Yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of have fun with it, though. That, that would be like, that. I, I think of the Dave Chappelle skit where he had, before Black Klansman the movie, there was a Chappelle show skit where there was a Black Klansman. That's... You don't hey, want to well, go there, Kevin. And Dave Chappelle is from right up the road. That's true. He's in Yellow Springs. Yellow Springs. So. <laughs> what can we say? There is definitely um, a six degree of separation moment here. He has, as we like to say, on this and that. There's always six degrees of separation. Okay, well, I didn't know there'd be other K's <laughs> popping up, but I had to ask that because it was just getting way too coincidental. Okay, so I now have to ask this question. What's your website address? Are you on social media? And where do folks buy their tickets? So those are all great questions. Um, yes, we are in all of those places. So our website is theohiokings.com. So it's important that you have the the in there. So theohiokings.com. Um, and on our website is where you can purchase tickets. Uh, one of the first prompts when you go to our website is a prompt called Ticket Bud. That's where you can go and you can find uh, tickets for all of our games on there, and it's a real easy process. You just go in, select the game. If you want to buy season tickets, you can do that. Um, we have full season ticket packages. We have half-game season ticket packages. We've got the VIP season ticket packages, and then we've got the individual game tickets. And so all of that's uh, readily available there for you on theohiokings.com. Um, here in probably about another week, we'll have uh, actual physical tickets you can buy at Cincinnati State, or you can obviously come to the door uh, at the games at Cincinnati State and purchase tickets. Um, 
So those are the those are the easiest ways to uh, to get your hands on Ohio Kings tickets right now. Um, we uh, also are on social media. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, just search Ohio Kings on Facebook, and you should be able to find us. Uh, we encourage everybody to like us on Facebook because we put a lot of information out through our social media channels. We've got a great social media strategist by the name of Camille White, who is doing a fantastic job uh, keeping folks uh, apprised of, of all of the happenings with Ohio Kings. Um, our uh, Twitter handle um, is OH uh, Kings Basketball or Basket, OH Kings Basket B1. Um, and that's our Twitter, Twitter handle. And then it's uh, OH Kings Basketball is uh, where you can find us on Instagram. So all of those, uh, all of those social media uh, channels are very active, very live with information. And uh, you can find out the latest about what's going on with our players. Um, in fact, we're going to be releasing some of our player profile videos um, here uh, in the coming weeks. So people will get an opportunity to get introduced um, to all of our players and uh, learn a little bit about them. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, folks should start hearing um, some of our radio spots advertising uh, the opening game. Um, beginning on Radio 1, uh, radio channels here in about a, another week. Uh, billboards will be popping up all around the city with Ohio Kings. So there will be a lot of ways in which for you to find and access, uh, access information about it. Well, this is sounding very exciting, and I can't wait. Absolutely. So we are down with the Kings, and we awesome. hope that our listeners – in the area, because we're, we're all over the, the place and across five continents, but those folks in the area who are coming by here, you may want to look up things online and catch a game. And even if you're not in this area, but if you are in one of the states that Kevin mentioned, like Michigan, Wisconsin, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Indiana, I mean, all those different locations... Pennsylvania. Look, look them up, see if there is an ABA team uh, near you, and maybe you can catch them that way. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, ab yeah, absolutely. Our, our schedule for all of our games, home and away, are on our website, uh, so definitely check those out as well. As you mentioned, we'll be, we'll be traveling all over the place, uh, you know, for our away games, and, you know, we're excited for that. And, and uh, we're just hoping people will come out Give it a chance. We think that uh, they will enjoy it. Um, it's it's a it's a fast paced, high flying brand of basketball. A lot of points um, in ABA games. So if you like scoring, you're gonna like you're gonna love ABA games. Um, and uh, it, it's just gonna be a really really good time for the price. And uh, and we're gonna make it worth uh, worth folks uh, worth folks experience. So we'll have a live DJ. We're gonna have DJ I Grind from the Wiz. Uh, who also DJs for the Cincinnati Bengals? He's going to be doing. Um, our, he's going to be our in-game DJ, so he'll you know he'll have the place rocking and and um, you know uh, it, it's just going to be a great time. No, it sounds like a lot of fun. That indeed. So Kevin, thanks for dropping by and um, chatting with us and talking about the return of professional basketball to Southwest Ohio. Much success to you and the Kings. We'll be uh, following your exploits and uh, wishing you well. And uh, 
fingers crossed, knock on wood, that you'll make it to the uh, tournament and win the whole thing. Right, and thank you again. We really appreciate it, and um, we're definitely going to have to do a follow-up to see um, how things are going sometime early in 2020. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate you guys giving us this platform and an opportunity to, to uh, get the information out to, uh, to your audience and, and listeners. And, and believe me, we'll be, we'll be sharing the podcast with our fans, uh, hoping that they'll tune in and, and, uh, and, uh, and listen to the great stuff you guys are putting out. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours from This and That with David and Brenda. Do you know what time it is, David? No, what time is it, Brenda? It's time for us to talk about here's what I think. Oh, here's what I think. Yeah. Love it. Because, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world of sports right now. And it would be really cool to talk with someone from, uh, say, the millennial generation to find out what they think. Not they as a group, but they as the individual think about certain things going on in sports. Oh, exactly. So it's not just us old folks sitting around in our rocking chairs, decrepit fossils. Okay, well, some of, some if that, of the if that is are. how you want to describe <laughs> no, yourself, that's how, no. you go right ahead. You, you know that's I how we've been described by some people. I am not an old fossil, <laughs> and I am not sitting around in a rocking chair. But I would be interested in getting a millennial perspective on the topic of football. To that end, we have... Coming in via phone to Podcast Land Studio, Christopher Hill, who is calling in from the ATL, the A, Hotlanta, Atlanta, where he is involved in sports broadcasting. He's broadcast for the Falcons, Thrashers, and Braves. He's done a lot of other uh, camera work and also currently is involved with Atlanta United Fan TV. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, David, and thank you, Brenda, for having me. Let's just get right into it. For, for those who are not uh, familiar with this, our listeners, we will go through a, uh, a series of topics, and usually it's going to be on one specific area. In this case, it's sports. We'll set it up and then get into, you know, each person, here's what I think about that. So let me just go ahead and, and start off, and we will begin with, speaking of Atlanta... Uh, about a week ago, this time down your way, Chris, there was a whole bunch of controversy between uh, Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Three years he's been out of the league. They um, settled the lawsuit and everything, and then out of the blue, there was going to be a uh, tryout with Kaepernick uh, this past Saturday last week. And um, essentially, that all seemed to fall apart. Now, Digging into this through the various uh, reports that I've seen, it looks like Tuesday, on a Tuesday, Kaepernick and his folks got word of the tryout. Wednesday, they got this big, thick legal document about waivers and everything else. They went back and forth and back and forth on it. And then, you know, literally at the 11th hour, the Kaepernick camp was like, um, 
sorry. I mean, this is like a direct quote from the text that's been leaked. Sorry, but we're going to go in a different direction. And the whole thing about 60 miles away at a high school um, tryout and the like with media, the Kaepernick thing happened. Well, here's what I think about it. I'm not, I don't think the NFL had any intention of really rehiring Kaepernick because the timing of this is just kind of suspect and ridiculous, given where we are in the middle of the season. Plus, the tryout was on a Saturday. Everybody's traveling to get to their games on Saturday. So who knows who these team representatives were or were going to be. Uh, I have no idea what, what the NFL's intentions were, but I, I think it was more publicity stunt on their end to check a box and say, gee, America, we tried. So I don't blame the Kaepernick camp for being suspicious about everything. However, and, and the other thing is that usually you work this stuff out and then you announce it. So the NFL just kind of threw this out there and, and announced it. So again, I kind of think they didn't have good intentions on that. But that said... The Kaepernick camp kind of lost the high road, the way in which they just went about it in the end. So I don't think either side really looks good in this, but that's just where I'm at with this. I think there's a whole bunch of blame to go around on both sides. What do you two think? I largely agree with that, David. Um, I think the NFL has, has more than than shown their their colors and all these things. I mean, if you if you saw the uh, the actual, um, you know, the document that they wanted um, wanted uh, Colin Kaepernick to sign. You know, you're, you're essentially saying that, hey, you, if you sign this, then um, you, you basically can't ever, you know, go into legal action against us again. Should you remain unemployed, which was a hundred percent certainty, because you know, face it, it's been a number of years, and um, if any of the 32 teams wanted, um, you know, to actually have you know, college come in, you know, do some throws, do some do some different things, they would have already by now. Um, I know there's been a few stories, um, you know, about going to Seattle, um, you know, but you know, from from what I've heard and from you know, people I've talked to, it, it basically, and from, you know, the Kaepernick camp, it basically was just kind of, you know, they talked, but they never really got anywhere, and they never actually had a, a tryout or anything like that. It was just, you know, Kaepernick talking to Pete Carroll. Um, you know, then there's a whole Baltimore thing, the much publicized Baltimore falling out um, that involved, I think, uh, Ray Lewis and Kaepernick's girlfriend. But again, there's so much stuff being leaked out that you can never know who exactly uh, to trust on that. So I don't, you are right. You know, the, the NFL put this together, um, you know, without, without consulting the person. They put this thing together um, in an attempt to get, like, some kind of legal gotcha. Um, and they were basically saying, like, oh, well, if Kaepernick shows up, then he has to sign the stuff. You won't get any cameras in there. We'll control all of the all of the press, and, you know, basically he'll sign his rights away. If he doesn't go there, then he can no longer say that we didn't try, um, because we did try. And so, you know, when Kaepernick's team announced that they were not going to, you know, that they're not going to, um, you know, do it at Mercedes-Benz, um, and instead in Atlanta, of all places, go 60 miles away in 30 minutes. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, the NFL was already prepared with that written statement. It was like five minutes, you know, and, and that was a statement that probably would have taken an hour to make. So, yeah, I think that I think that the NFL shows your colors tonight. And I also think that, you're right, the, the Kaepernick can't kind of, because at any point, 
with Nike's backing, they could have put out, a, they could have done any tryout, the same sort of tryout that Kaepernick did, um, ended up doing in Atlanta. You know, by the airport, they could have done that at any point in the last three years too. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, it's it's out, it's about who can win the conversation and who can win on social media, because there's a lot of tweeting going back and forth in that that 45 minutes. I was actually watching it pretty closely. There's a lot of tweets going back and forth, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that because the NFL has the NFL has is very suspicious and is just not very good at being sneaky for whatever reason, um, you know, I think that they they actually took a step down. I think Kaepernick stayed about the same. Everybody knew he could play um, still. Right. It's not in the surprise to see him throwing down the field. It's, it has it never been about him being able to play. It's about the distraction. So that's, a, that's kind of my, my thought process on it. Here's what I think about the whole thing. I have never been a Kaepernick fan and probably never will be. I think that both sides showed their true colors, and I think they both were disingenuous about um, what they were trying to um, to do. Uh, first of all, the NFL, I don't think, like you both have already said, had any intentions or have any intentions of having Kaepernick ever come back to the NFL fold. Um, I think he's out for... He's just out of the game. He's just going to have to be on the outside looking in and wondering, what if? The last minute, all of a sudden, trying to get this tryout off the ground, I just think that was just crazy. Why couldn't they have planned this jointly together uh, weeks in advance, talked about it, worked through any of the um, legal matters, paperwork, whatever, and none of this would have ever happened. Once the Kaepernick clan found out that things weren't quite on the up and up, then why did they have to um, go through the motions of trying to have a tryout? Why couldn't they have just said, okay, thank you, but no thank you, and let's all just move on and go back to our own fold and do what we have been doing for the past several years so I don't think either side was um, very serious about going through the whole tryout process so that's just what I think. Alrighty we need to move on to topic number two so Miss Brenda. And topic number two is what's the deal with the whole fiasco that happened on the the field on last Thursday when the Steelers and the Browns had their game and with only eight seconds left in the game went into this free-for-all with kicking and shoving and hitting in the head with helmets. So what was that all about? Here's what I think. The Browns should not have kept trying to sack the, the guy for the Steelers. I mean, there's only eight seconds left, so, and you're winning the game, so what else is there for you to prove? Nothing. Now, on, at the same time, the Steelers should have been fine, just like the, um, the Browns were. Quarterback for the Steelers should have been fine, but he wasn't. Because I saw, clear as day, he was kicking at 
the player on the Browns that hit him upside the head, and he was kicking him in the groin. So how can you not find the person when I do believe there is a rule on the books that says you're supposed to be fined for something like that? That kind of action. Am I wrong? Well, you're not wrong. The uh, And I think the NFL actually did a little bit of damage control about, I think it was about an hour and a half ago. Because, um, um, you know, I think midweek it was that um, they had the hearings for the uh, for the suspension repeals and, and whatnot. Um, I know Pouncey got one game less, um, but um, one of the other Browns players who was involved, he's still suspended for a game. And Miles is still suspended indefinitely, but Miles made the... Uh, made the statement that, you know, a racial slur was used um, by, uh, by Mason Rudolph. And, um, you know, that caused a whole lot of fervor um, last two days or so. But I think the NFL this afternoon actually just announced they did, lead, they did levy a, a fine on Mason Rudolph of 50000 Well, that's so about just time. Just fine today. Yeah, it took a while. It, it, it was actually the latest fine. Because um, I know... Um, uh, the first Browns player to get the one-game suspension, and his name escapes. He got fined, um, and then Pouncey got fined and suspended, and then Miles got fined and suspended, um, and he still might get some further action done to him. And there were rumblings about Rudolph getting fined, um, but he just got fined um, this afternoon for fifty thousand. So, but I agree. The video shows that he, you know, it was a in. I have thoughts on how the Browns play, but you know, either way, once the you know once the sack happened, the referee probably should have flown a flag for a late hit, yep. like roughing the passer, but he didn't. And then the Mason Rudolph had his hand digging in the helmet, um, you know, and doing all the other other things, and then it just escalated from there. But um, you know, but it, it, he he it probably you know, and then. He was trying to victim afterwards. It was he, he definitely Miles Garrett definitely should not have swung a helmet, something that could literally break his neck um, at another player. Um, but Mason was far from you know. Generally, when there's a fight, there's not really anybody who is, um, especially in sports, there's not really anybody who is um, absolved. Uh, there's usually something that goes on um, from one side or the other. But you know, in my opinion. You know, I agree with you that NFL, they're not very good at this. Uh, they don't really, you know, they kind of wait to see how public opinion shapes up, and then they'll do something. Um, you know, because it's a wonder if Mason would have gotten fined at all, um, even though they said that there is no proof that he said the, um, you know, he said a racial slur. If that hadn't come out, you know, then would the NFL have actually fined him? Who knows? But you know, that's just, that's my opinion on it. The NFL, the NFL is really or at handling any sort of public relations stuff. Um, they're really bad about it, especially in the last five years. Amen, yeah. Chris. Yep, well, well, here's what I think, and, and Chris already kind of foreshadowed what I was going to say. It's the ref's fault. It was clearly a late hit. All that had to happen was the referee throw the flag. There was a late hit because a shovel pass had happened, and the ball was out of Mason Rudolph's hands, for at least a good second to a second and a half before Miles Garrett decided to try and go for, you know, sack number three because they had the two sacks in a row and he was going for sack number three and he clearly knew the ball was gone. And even if he didn't, the ref should have thrown the flag. 
And that fight never would have happened. So I blame the officials on this because, and I know they claim in all sports this isn't the case, but at end of games, and especially it seems in the end of Steelers games, the officials don't always throw flags, period. It's just, I don't know what that's about. They, I, I don't know if the official thought the time was going to expire, because it didn't. There were still two seconds left on the clock. I don't, I don't know what was going on. But I blame, the, I blame the officials for this whole debacle. And I, I know they do these evaluations of officials and the crews and everything else. I'd love to have transparency into that because I personally think nothing's going to happen to those officials. I think there's nobody in league office saying, y'all didn't do your job. You, you know, this could have been avoided and we wouldn't be looking stupid. We, the NFL up in um, you know, um, uh, New York City if you had done your job properly. So that's really what I think. Yeah, and I mean, they, they had already missed a few calls that entire game. I mean, there was a number of helmet hits. Um, I know Deontay Johnson walked off with, his, with blood coming from his ear after getting hit in the head. Um, and then I think Juju Smith-Schuster got knocked out of the game from right. a helmet hit, but that wasn't even a call. He got hit the helmet twice on that same play. But the referees were just not very good that whole game. Um, you know, and again, like I said earlier, my opinion on the Browns and the way they play, I think they're heavily influenced um, by their, their previous uh, defensive coordinator, which just happens to be Greg Williams, who was a defensive coordinator um, at uh, RR Tribal, the same. Um, back when they had Bounty Gate. So that's just, that's just my thought. <laughs> influenced by that. But are you really surprised? Oh my goodness! Are you really surprised that calls are missed in in Steelers games? I mean, lots of calls are always missed in Steelers games. Yeah, but and because they're having such a bad year, though, this time it worked against them. I think on balance in in the game. Yeah, usually it's the stars that get 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 those passes. Um, It's and there was there was there was literally no stars on the field for the Steelers. For that entire last half, because right. all of them were gone, and and Mason Rudolph is, is just basically a backup, maybe even argue just a third string quarterback playing as a second string quarterback. Um, so there was no incentive. If that was Brady, then you know it would have been there had been four flags thrown. Um, oh, just four before he. <laughs> so there, there would have been there have been flags all over the place. Um, you know, the entire defensive line for the Browns would have been suspended. Um, for whatever reason, and, and that would have been it. Um, well, if it so. were Brady, it would have been raining flags from the heavens. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe so. so. Oh, no, 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 no. There is one more thing we have to predict. Oh, no. No. Clean, good old-fashioned hate. Prediction. The University of Georgia versus Georgia Tech. Who I call wasp, but there are other the people. The yellow jackets. Get whatever, it straight. Whatever, whatever. So, prediction. But then again, dog is D-O-G, not D-A-W-G. Hey. So, why am I not surprised we that you... We can take a license on how we spell. can't get your uh, insect genus right there. Well, my general prediction is that... Um, I'm pretty sure Georgia's going to win. Just I'll leave it at that. 
They did. They did lose to South Carolina. Remember that. They did lose to South Carolina, and if they lose to Texas A and M today, which I don't know if they are or not. Last time I checked, I think they were tied. But um, if they lose today, then I think they're going to be more than heated um, when they play Tech. But regardless, I think that they know that no two lost team has ever made the playoffs. They can't lose. They, they literally cannot lose another game. Exactly, they can't. They had their one loss. They shouldn't have lost to South Carolina. But water under the bridge, move on, no more losses, Georgia Tech, we're going to take well, care of that, and we're going to move on to um, the CFB. You all will, will more than likely beat Tech in Atlanta, in Bobby Dodd Stadium, primarily in my opinion, because the team is still built around Paul Johnson's recruiting of the triple option. Excuses, excuses, whatever. And so the current coach, whose name escapes me, will not be able to effectively put together his offensive game plan given the players are there still going through primarily what was built for running, defending the triple option. Cue the violins. Do I hear them? That's my analysis of it. Okay. All right. Well, I hope uh, the University of Georgia, the dogs, not D-O-G-S, but D-A-W-G-S, will not let us down and or let me down. And they will win because if they don't, I will hear about it. Well, and you said the CF, CFP, you got to get through the SEC championship. Oh, that's a done deal. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Um Right now, I think LSU slated right now. If things were locked in place, Chris, isn't that no. who their opponent would be? Cats and dogs, who usually I wins. Think that, dogs. I think no, no, no. Uh, we, I'm talking ahead. about in the real world, no. not football world. No, in the football You've forgotten our podcast. <laughs> no, and I have if, not if, forgotten. If folks go back to podcast I have, I have episode number nine, this have, and that. I have not forgotten. This and that, episode nine of season one. I have not forgotten. In our cat episode, Nine Lives episode, I laid out the statistics of teams, college football teams, basketball teams with cat mascots. They rule. Even over dogs. Yeah, and in so, our household, LSU, cats ruled. You, you got past Auburn, but fair enough. But in, we're talking championships for the most part as well. Championship games and, and, and tournament runs. LSU, if you're playing them in Atlanta, you're going to lose. It's just that simple. That's what, that's what the analytics say, and that's what the analytics hold up. Plus, just they're a better team. Well, analytics can be wrong. They can be. Watson wasn't always right. What's that, Chris? So the eye test is probably more accurate, though. I don't think Georgia can hang with LSU for very long. Well, Chris, it was nice talking. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I told, told my father the same thing. So, so there you go. Thank you got you. it from the, the numbers thank, guy. Thank and you, you got for it from The broadcast eye test guy. Two against one. Thank Thanks, you. Chris, for hanging with us here. At least Tell I hear us. somebody in the background that is trying to let you know that, no, the dogs have a chance. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, thank you, David, and thank you, Brenda, for having me on. 
I enjoyed it. Comments? Send your feedback to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Well, David, that was fun. Absolutely. So it's unfortunate, edition number 36 of our eclectic podcast has come to an end. Yes, it is wrapped up, sealed up, and put in the can, ready for distribution. I mean, it was great that we had got a chance to talk with uh, Kevin Aldridge to learn about the Ohio Kings. And then wasn't that great that Christopher Hill was able to call in all the way from the ATL and talk with us about football and let us know what he thinks? Absolutely, absolutely. That was uh, definitely a, a, a fun segment there. We will have to do that again. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> the University of Georgia beating up on the Georgia Tech wasp on next weekend you know, after Thanksgiving. You know darn wasp, yellow jackets. Do I know? So it's like that. But you know what I do know? What's that? We're done for today. Yes. So You are done. Yeah, so thank <laughs> you to all of our listeners uh, for um, tuning in, and I hope you come back. But until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.